The Spirit of Self-Love podcast reminds us that we are all miraculous beings with purpose and can help humanity elevate and evolve by returning within. Do you remember who you really are? This episode is a conversation I shared with the extraordinary Leo Morris about creating our own freedom by courageously choosing to master our inner work. Leo is a Black, trans, queer, neurodivergent community organizer. We recorded this episode in April 2020, but everything that we shared and talked about are timeless themes on how to change the world for the better and what we continue to hope for within humanity. Leo is a true leader in one of the brightest lights I've ever had the privilege of knowing and sharing space with. Their powerful conviction and compassion comes from a journey of choosing to honor their own instincts, experiences, and emotions, and they carry such essential wisdom we can learn from them. Leo is currently based on the East Coast and is providing mutual aid through hired services, consulting, and managing his dance nonprofit, Decolonizing Dance. Our conversation about promoting humility during a pandemic begins now. I moved here for work 2016 from Washington, D.C., which is where I was for about 10 years. I went to, to Howard University. When I'm not community organizing or at some sort of queer-led artsy sort of event, Mm -hmm. I'm usually at home with my cat, Khaleesi. I've worked in a bunch of different nonprofits. I only recently started working on my own or like for myself, I should say. Driving is like my favorite thing to do, whether it's delivering things for people or driving people for Lyft. I re I'm realizing that that's one way that I really like to work. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always people forward. Mm -hmm. What do you think inspires that passion? People focused work. I think first it started with my parents. They are both medical professionals who have always shown me the value of serving one's community. Mm. I grew up with my mom taking care of everyone in the community, whether it was like having people over, you know, while she was watching Jeopardy and she was cracking backs in the middle of our living room floor or just like going to the grocery store with my dad and having random people come up to him and just update my dad on like how they're doing because, you know, that was one of his patients. I grew up with that first and foremost. Secondly, my love for people kind of came along because my parents were so busy helping other people. They didn't have much time to invest in my sibling and I. So I had to go and find my other people that I fit in with. And I had to learn how to do that very quickly from an early age. And because of the different experiences that I've had in terms of just like, I bounced around to a bunch of different schools, you know, growing up because I learned how to adapt and how to, I guess, kind of not be afraid of people in a way, because I was experiencing so many different types of people so often. Yeah, that I just kind of became a people forward person. I see the value in people. And by the value in people, I mean, not for their productivity, but more just for them as a, as a human being, as someone who exists on this earth, as someone who has something to offer to mm -hmm. this earth. Mm -hmm. People are one of the world's most greatest assets. And I mean that in the sense of just like, we have the autonomy and the will to choose a lot of the things that happen in this world. Right. So we have to care about us first. Mm -hmm. 
because we've all moved to more digital communication platforms. I hope this time is a time for all of those people right now who are living with disabilities or who have had to rely on scientific technology for them to just live a normal, normal, you know, for them to have a a life where they feel like they can function and are are happy and thriving. Mm -hmm. I hope we now continue to look to those who we are either relying on or we are trying to protect the most. I hope that the solutions that we're all looking for come from those communities first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So for me, it makes sense to go to someone who's immunocompromised, someone who can't go to the grocery store, someone who literally cannot leave the house and just be like, so how are you getting your work done? How are you living? And then funding any sort of type of program that supports those visions, those collective visions. Mm-hmm. Epic is a nonprofit here in Boston mm-hmm. that works with people who have disabilities. Mm-hmm. I want to know how they're using it to reach out to their clientele and what their clientele is requesting from them in terms of how to be able to, to access them safely and humanely, how to better meet the needs of those who we continue to throw to the wayside, as is so obviously shown by this pandemic. Right. It clearly doesn't make sense to listen to able-bodied people anymore. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. You have been reflecting on the ways that our current situation, the quarantine, has amplified a lot of issues in terms of what is accessible for certain people and what is now massively inaccessible for people with disabilities. Or even more so, I would say just any marginalized community. I hone in on persons with disabilities Because I'm a person with a disability and I know how much I rely on certain little things that people don't even know about, like on their iPhones, you know, that make things easier for me to process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those little things matter. Mm -hmm. And we are now seeing how much they matter. Everyone has different needs now that we are all digital and they are all coming up now. Right. And so why don't we ask the people who've been using this sort of technology Mm -hmm. and who've been relying on this sort of technology to communicate Mm -hmm. and to facilitate their lives. Why don't we ask them first? What is it that you've discovered in all of this that you need? Yeah, I need people who are trauma informed. Yeah. I need policies that are trauma informed I need people to have healthy outlets for their egos. Like, I'm tired of the racism pandemic has produced. But I need somebody to apologize to the Chinese people, to <laughs> the Jap- mm-hmm. I need I need somebody to apologize. <laughs> After that apology, I need, like, a, an executive order stating resources going towards those communities that were blamed for this pandemic. I need somebody to admit out loud on CNN, Al Jazeera, whatever, (laughs) that capitalism failed. Mm. It It just failed. So why is it important for us to 
have these conversations with people who are the most affected? It's important first before even trying to engage externally. It's more important to engage internally and first admit to yourself that you don't know everything. Right, right. Because if you start with that, then you go into it, hopefully, (laughs) being grateful for everything that you might have learned. You go into it at least with a mindset that you are open to receiving Mm -hmm. because you don't know everything. And then once you admit that you don't know, my next question always to myself when I am introspecting, I guess, Mm -hmm. is who do I know that does know this information? Right. Because we do live in Boston, which is, as we know, very, very, very white dominant. Very. Did we say very? (laughs) (laughs) Especially as a person who may be of a privileged identity. And yes, you could still be marginalized and have privilege at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it's important to recognize in what situations you do have privilege and make sure that the person to whom you are asking your questions to is not of the similar privilege as you or of a privilege of a person that can't answer that question Mm. based on their identities and their experiences. In order to create change, we can't have an echo chamber. What also inspired this current shift that we're in, at least energetically, to revisit how it is that we actually make change. And what you're saying is, in order to create change, we have to diversify the voices in the room, which seems like obvious. Yeah, but it takes, it takes a certain level of, I, I like to call it emotional humility, mm. that you might not be the best person who knows how to diversify the room yeah, and should not be making those decisions. And I think it's not diversity if Steve Jobs is inviting a bunch of people of all sorts of identities, but they're just being his yes man and just right. telling him what he wants to hear. Exactly. That's not diversity. Right. We got to get real uncomfortable real quick, Allie, before the world continues to make things more uncomfortable for us. That's all I got to say. Because mm-hmm. Mother Nature's talking. She's talking real loud. Mm. There's this theme that has to do with a sense of new leaders need to be invited to the room. Also, we need to be given the space to advocate for ourselves. Yeah, but like actual advocacy. Yeah. Not... I know. The light version. I don't want the I diet know. version. I don't want. I don't <laughs> want the diversity zero. Ver- you know, I don't want that version. Right. I want the purest definition of what that word means, and I want it to apply so fucking strictly until it doesn't need to anymore. And I think that the only way that we can do that is by listening to the people who were most deeply affected right whether it's what one wants to hear or not that's not the point it needs to be heard period because that's the work oh there are many mic drops i think when you have a certain path when you've had to be in a place where you have to build yourself up yeah to not get broken down by everything else out there when you have that as an integral part of who you have become, mm-hmm. 
you have no choice but to be extremely passionate. And passionate isn't even like the word. You have to be extremely vocal or even instinctual. 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 About being seen, about being heard. Mm, Okay, I'll put it like this. As a person who's endured much trauma, Mm -hmm. I see my life in this lens. Like there's my life before trauma and then there's my life after trauma. Mm -hmm. I think I remember one of my first questions after I had survived one of my initial traumas was what other lies have I been told? Mm -hmm. What else have I been believing that isn't necessarily true? Mm -hmm. My trauma was the first time that I truly felt my instincts. Mm. You know how the CDC saying that like if people don't take the necessary precautions right now that this thing could spike again mm-hmm. and this this could never end. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel that that's the same way with us continuing society as it's been. Mm-hmm. If we do shit like we did any of it before before this pandemic started, I feel like the universe is trying to tell us that it's just it's, it's just not a good idea. Period. That's right. There's something about my trauma that helped me learn how to, I guess, sort of trust myself. I realized how much I was trusting in other people and trusting in just not myself. Yeah. And then going through my trauma, I was like, oh, none of y'all. Oh, I'm the only one who's going to believe me. All right, bet. Mm. And then having to move through the world like that. I am hoping that collectively people say aloud and they're just like, I know that this is what happened to me. And I know that this is what I experienced. And I know that this is the type of help that I need. Mm -hmm. And we create a society of people that actually listen. Being trauma informed. That's come up a few times. I am of the firm belief that you cannot be a trauma informed person unless you know about how you, your person has been traumatized. Right. So for me, trauma-informed means accepting that first that one has been traumatized and then two, doing the work to discover the ways in what, which one has been traumatized. Mm-hmm. I don't want the term trauma-informed to turn into another buzzword or like, you know, right. sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. if we get into a competency thing, then it can turn into like, well, this person didn't do the reading or this person doesn't know the vocab, you know, Mm -hmm. or this person, you know, doesn't have this educational level or this person didn't go to this workshop. So they can't possibly know what they're talking about. Right. Right. So it's not how it works because that's still leaving the most crucial people out of the conversation. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Just a few quick things. Review, share, and subscribe wherever you're listening now. You can follow us on Instagram at Spirit of Self Love. To learn more, visit spiritofselflove.substack.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. Do you think it's too much to ask of people to be aware of their inner wounds and to have some kind of desire to work on healing them? No. Mm. It's literally just fear. Fear is what got us here to this point, April, what's today, the 11th, I don't know, the 14th, um, <laughs> yeah. April 14th, 2020, mm-hmm. fear is what fucking got us here as a humanity. Yeah. If you're saying that living in a world with less fear 
just a little bit less yeah by doing just a few minutes more of internal work a week is too much to save humanity because mm-hmm. that's the problem mm-hmm. we have a society that lifts up and that praises and that glorifies people who don't own their shit yeah I'm sorry. I think that a pandemic is the funniest way that the universe could have tried to like check us because you can't not be on your shit when you got micro droplets flying through the air, you know? (laughs) So like that sort of nuance, that sort of microscopic nuance that the fucking universe is trying to have us pay attention to, I'm hoping that we get just a little bit of it when it comes to emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. the holding of two opposing views two opposing beliefs two opposing feelings and knowing that they are both valid Mm -hmm. in that moment Mm -hmm. and that there is a way to serve them both you don't have to choose either or the gray area is one of the most beautiful technicolor vibrant places one can exist Mm-hmm. And if you have the courage to take that leap, not even a leap, but just like to just sort of just step into your own personal gray zone. Yeah. May the wonders never cease mm-hmm. because they won't. Do you want to give um, like one specific example of a gray area of being like non-dualistic about something that has been helpful for you? I think one of my favorite ways in which I am sort of unlearning, I guess, dualism or duality or mm-hmm. binarism, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. was by unlearning everything that I thought about gender. Yeah. For me, it started as my gender was not serving me. And it only wasn't serving me because I did not want to exist as that gender. Right. That's the only reason. So in order for me to reach the conclusion that I did not want to be that gender, I had to think about the things that I was thinking that I didn't want. Right. I don't identify as trans because I hated being a woman. That is not my story. I identify as transgender because identifying as a woman felt restrictive to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not I'm not saying that a woman of America as a black woman. No, no, no. I'm saying that literally just as a woman, it felt restrictive. It did not feel as my authentic self. For sure. Yeah. But the solution to that was not going to the other extreme. It was not identifying as a man because that Mm -hmm. wasn't the issue. Mm -hmm. Issue was how do I see myself? How do I want people to respect me in the way that I see myself? Mm-hmm. And with gender, for me, that that more has to do with my expression as well as my behavior. So when it comes to like my behavior, I can be pretty, I guess, sort of feminine, I guess. So like my behavior can be seen as like traditionally or like socially feminine or like raised as like a woman. My expression also embraces my femininity a lot. And that's the place that's more comfortable for me. And that's what I mean by the gray area. hmm. I chose and I choose the label of transgender because it allows me to exist in a space where I feel like there are no bounds. Mm-hmm. 
And I want that for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what the gray area means for me is like that area of no bounds for you and all that you have experienced, all that you are living with. What does no bounds mean for you? I think we'd be surprised at how how our society has sort of relied and survived on violence and trauma and pain for us all. I want us to realize that like, that's not necessary. And that's not who we are. We aren't these beings who crave violence, who crave being cruel to one another. Those are things that we, those are coping mechanisms that we as a society have ingrained to think that that's what we need to get by Mm -hmm. because we're all traumatized, but it's not. I couldn't have known that until I had learned about that for myself in terms of how I was traumatizing myself Mm -hmm. and not like in a self blame way, but just like what had society been teaching me and what I continue telling myself unknowingly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just want that for everyone, Allie. I just want everyone to feel the bliss of knowing oneself and being accepted as oneself and that it can sort of only survive off of just love, mm-hmm. purely love. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really liked all of that. Was that a few mic drops too? Oh yeah. That was a whole mic drop. Was, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think people don't know that when they place limitations on themselves, when they don't allow themselves to either explore their darkness or explore the infinite potential of Mm -hmm. their world or how they're experiencing their life. When we're living in those like confines or those, or we're living in the binary or the duality of it all, that, that is also self-violence. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do that unless we admit that we fucked up in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Self-love and empowerment also has to do with creating like our own freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I look at you and when I talk to you, I feel, <laughs> I feel like this is someone here who has created their own freedom in their life. And I really did it to sort of prove to myself that I could, but also to just sort of just show in general that it can be done. Mm-hmm. You can feel free without having to step on somebody else. Yeah. What are some spiritual practices that you like to invest in to keep yourself centered focused on going in one of the things i did was that i took an inventory of what it was for my childhood spiritually that i liked Mm. and then just applied it to now the biggest thing was music Mm. and so my favorite thing to do is to like put on my gospel playlist and just sing or cry but mostly sing Or just like reminisce on like um, on the memory that the song might bring me back to. Yes. 
Sometimes I like to just do a sort of, I guess it's a meditation, but it's like a um, meditation on like with, with my gospel music as like the background. And so I'll either, you know, dance it out, sing it out, cry it out, but it'll be some sort of body movement along with that. So if we're going to put it out into the universe right now, because our words create and our intentions create, what is it that you hope for humanity in this moment and forward? What I hope is that, and maybe not even all of us, but that those with the power realize that the only way that the pandemic you know, ended when it does, the way in which we got through this, that the way in which, in which we endured and we survived was not through anything other than some sort of deep want for another to survive. It wasn't some vaccine. It mm-hmm. wasn't some mis- random policy that got passed. Mm-hmm. It was an understanding that somewhere deep inside, you care that the rest of us survive. Mm-hmm. Owning and honoring that there was some part of you that cares about other people, I think is going to do wonders for people. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of people out here who think that they don't care about people or who mm-hmm. think that they can't care about people. Mm-hmm. And this is showing us that even in the most minute ways that we are all capable of caring for one another. Mm. So how do we continue that? How do we turn this into a snowball effect Mm -hmm. as opposed to the last 500 fucking years? Mm -hmm. And that it is possible because it started with this. It started with us social distancing, but it can grow. The universe is encouraging us to do that growth mm-hmm. because she's giving us the time off. And by time off, I mean, just like sort of giving us all the collective space to think about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. That right there. That's it. Yes. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like you a lot, Allie. <laughs> to learn more about Leo and special mentions from this episode, visit the link in our show notes in the description. Thank you for listening today. You are loved so profoundly. Thank you for being here at this time to assist in the evolution of humanity. Thank you for being a leader of the self-love movement. Remember who you really are. Love always. And I'll meet you at the next one.